Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. So let's open the word today. Um, The passage that God has put on Luke's heart is a nice quick one. It's from Luke chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. So let's read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. I love days like today because it's a chance to look back with grateful hearts on all that God has done in the last three years and it's a chance to look forward with expectant lives about what God's going to do in the future. I think we've always got a choice in life. We can believe that the best is behind us or we can believe that the best is still yet to come. And I've made a decision in my life that I want to be grateful for the past, I want to enjoy the present and I want to be optimistic about the future and as Christians I think that's a great way to live to be optimistic people believing the very best. And I hope until the day I die, I'm always believing that the best is still yet to come. And as we have that posture, as we adopt that attitude, when we do die and go into the presence of the Lord, um, we'll be proven right as we stand there in the presence of God anyway. And so it's a good thing to keep thinking that the best is still yet to come in our lives. Uh, I think that's a win-win situation. Uh, The truth is that um, the very best things we can experience in this life, and as good as those testimonies were, The very best things we can experience on this planet are only a tiny little glimpse of what awaits us in eternity. You know, the book of Corinthians, the letter to Corinthians says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. That's a wonderful hope, isn't it? That's the hope that we have as Christians. And that's why three years ago we planted Follow Baptist Church because we want as many other people in this community to experience that love as possible. And so therefore, as I always say, and I say it unapologetically, we are a church of people on mission. We're constantly on mission every day, in every relationship, in every cafe we visit, in every workplace we're in. We are people of God called and saved to be people on mission. And it's been great to see and hear some of that expressed this morning. When it comes to life and how we should live and how we please God, Jesus, God in human form, literally gave us the perfect example, the perfect example to follow. Today's passage was taken from Luke chapter 4, and in this passage we see Jesus express what was essentially his mission statement while he was here on earth. And I think it's a mission statement that we adopt in our faith journey as well. And so from Jesus' mission statement this morning, I want to hone in on three very simple things that I think we need to keep in mind as we live out this mission. And I think each of these three things is actually interconnected. And so far at Follow, I think we've done these things reasonably well. But as we continue to move forward, we should never take this for granted. We need to keep doing these things well if we're to continue to grow and move forward and have the impact that I believe God's calling us to have. And so the first one, if you're a note taker this morning, is very simple. And it's simply this that we need to keep relying on the Holy Spirit. We need to keep relying on the Holy Spirit. The first every series we did at Follow Baptist Church was a series through the book of Acts. And it was titled, From the Word Go. 
And if you were here on our public launch day in 2015, you might remember that we all went out to the car park in our first ever venue, the Tumar Community Centre, Lakeside Square, where all the world's best-looking people live. And we went out into the car park, and on the way out, every one of us was handed a follow green helium balloon. And so we took the balloon, we went out into the car park, and we stood together in that car park, and on the count of three, I said, one, two, three, and we released those balloons up into the air. And we stood there all looking up. And, and as they went up, they, they became these tiny little dots all together up in the air. And it was a beautiful picture, and it was certainly a beautiful moment in the life of our church. Now, I feel a little bit guilty about that now, because I've since visited, you know, Phillip Island and heard about the pelicans and the pandas and the, you know, penguins and all those things that choke on balloons. And so I've repented of that, gone to the Lord, and I wish I could say no animals were harmed in the production of our balloon launch Unfortunately, I can't. However, the idea of that balloon launch was to demonstrate that, we're, that balloons, the ones we were letting go of, had to travel wherever the wind would take them. A balloon can't get up in the air and say, no, actually, I'm going to go this way. I, I want to go over here. No, no, a balloon goes up in the air and it goes wherever the wind blows. It has no um, decision over that. It just ends up wherever the wind takes it. And so those balloons, once they were filled and released, they, they couldn't choose where they were going. They just went with the wind. Now, the thing about a balloon is that a balloon is useless by itself. This is a balloon before it's blown up, before it's filled with anything at all. And, and it's not designed to stay like this. A balloon is designed to be filled and to go where the wind takes it, to fly. That's what a balloon is designed to do. And so these balloons, before they were released into the air, were just deflated, shriveled up pieces of rubber that were really useless. They were completely dependent on being filled with helium, and then being carried by the wind. And when they were filled, and when they were carried, they lived out their purpose, and they went higher and further than they could ever go just by themselves. Now, the object lesson for us on that day was a very obvious one. We're like balloons. We couldn't do anything by ourselves. Scripture tells us, without God, we can do nothing. With God, all things are possible. With God, we can do all things through Christ who gives us Strength. And so from the word go, if we were going to be a church that had any impact at all, we wanted to be filled by the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit, obediently going wherever he would take us, doing whatever he wants us to do. And I've got to say, in the last three years, he's taken us places that I never would have imagined that we would have gone. We've gone from a committed core group of 31 people before the first day to just under 400 people here last weekend. And people often ask me, what, why is it that Follow has grown? And some people say, well, it's an amazing group of people, and, and that's true. Look at you guys. Look to your left and right today. You're surrounded by amazing people. And most of the people in this room I didn't know three years ago. And what a blessing it is to be coming together with a mission. Other people say it's because you've got a strong culture, and I think there's aspects of that which have certainly helped. Some say, well, you've only grown because you're in a growth corridor. But the truth is not every church in a growth corridor grows. Other people say that it's because you're young and energetic. Well, I'm not that young and energetic anymore. I saw a person on a video at the start of the service today, and I thought it was me, but I didn't recognize the person on the screen. We're not that young and energetic anymore. Some people say it's because your community work, you've got a, a sense of mission. Others say it's simply by God's grace, and all those things are true. God has been so good to us. There's lots of reasons why I think Follow has grown, but I honestly believe one of the reasons we have grown is that we made a decision day one that we would be a church led by the Holy Spirit, not led by opinions. You know, opinions are like bottoms. 
Everyone's got one. Sometimes they stink. So we made a decision. Our first port of call at follow was not going to be what everyone wants or what everyone thinks. It was going to be where is the Spirit of God leading us? That was what we have built our church on. Now, before Jesus outlined his mission in the passage we read today, he said these words. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. So here's a question for us this morning. If Jesus, the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, God in human form, if that Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to live out his mission, how much more do we need the power of the Holy Spirit every day in our lives? I suggest that we also need to rely on the Holy Spirit every single day if we're to live out this mission as well. Now, when we rely on the Holy Spirit, I think what comes with that, and this is what we saw in these testimonies, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I think you can always tell someone who's leading from the power of the Holy Spirit and someone who's leading from their own strength. And I think one of the greatest evidences of that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so if you're leading in the power of the Holy Spirit, what's going to flow from your life? You're going to lead by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. They're the things that pour out of our lives when we are living filled with the Holy Spirit and obediently following the Holy Spirit. Someone who used to come to follow um, decided to go to another church. Why would you do that? This church is amazing. I'm not biased. Uh, but someone decided to go, and we made a decision when we started as a church, we're never going to hold on to people. Like, like, they're not our people. They're God's people. And so well, they're called to be here, that's awesome. They're going to grow in their faith and I think they'll enjoy the journey. But if they feel led somewhere else, then we're going to let them go with blessing. We're going to be open-handed because they're not our people, they're God's. And so the, 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 the decision they made to go to another church wasn't an issue at all. But the reason they gave, um, I found quite puzzling. This is the reason they gave. They said, we're leaving follow because you believe in the Bible, but we believe in the Holy Spirit. It became clear at that moment that they don't read their Bible. <laughs> because following the Lord is both, isn't it? It's the, it's the Word and it's the Spirit. You know, there's this false dichotomy that people say, well, I'm a person of the Word or I'm a person of the Spirit. Well, I want to be a person who follows God. And God says it's both. It's not one or the other. Jesus said in John 4, 23, that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. And so the most obvious evidence of someone who relies on the Holy Spirit is not weird external manifestations at the front of church, but rather someone whose life flows with the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, someone who is obedient to what God leads them to do. You might remember when the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost, and Jesus said, don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit falls upon you. And when the Holy Spirit falls upon you, what will you do? You will be my witnesses. You will go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth with the message of the gospel. And follow, we love the truth of God's word. We don't shy away from that for one second. We love God's word, but we never simply want to be head knowledge people. We want to be people who are spirit led. As I've said it many times in this church, if our theology doesn't go from our head to our heart to our feet as we go and back to our mouth as we speak the good news, then it's an incomplete theology. And it's an immature spirituality. We want to be people that are spirit-led in all that we do. And so today's a day to look back at what God has done in and through us with grateful hearts, reminding ourselves of the way the Spirit has empowered us. But it's also a time to refresh, to restock, to refocus, and to recommit that we won't move a step forward 
if we're not filled with the Spirit into the future. So important that we remind ourselves that we are people who are going to follow him in obedience because we are led by the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, we're just like that rubber balloon. We'll never truly walk into the purpose that God has for us, but when we're filled by the Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit, in, in all that we do, we continue to go higher and further than we could ever imagine or ever go in our own strength. Today is three years, and the truth is that Follow Baptist Church has only just begun. We're a toddler. We're just starting to walk properly. You know, we just got out of nappies. That's good, isn't it? It's a good milestone. We're out of nappies as a church. That's wonderful. But we've barely scratched the surface. And I think God's word to us this morning is that I can do immeasurably more than you could ever hope dream or imagine according to my power at work within you. That's a wonderful declaration, isn't it, over our church, over our lives as a people of God. Because I, I don't know about you, but I've got a big vision for what I think God is going to do in the southeast of Melbourne. And I think it's a big vision. I don't know how it's possibly going to come to pass. But God says, I can do immeasurably more than what you could even ever imagine. That's a wonderful thing for us to remember today. And so today we celebrate God's grace we recognize that the Holy Spirit is doing something quite incredible in our midst. And we need to keep relying on the Holy Spirit as we move forward. The second thing from this mission statement that we can learn is that we need to keep living out the mission. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Now when you look at Jesus' life in the Gospels, he was magnetic. Have you ever seen a magnet, how it attracts stuff to it? Jesus was like that. Everywhere he went, people pressed up against him. They surrounded him. They wanted a glimpse of Jesus. They wanted to hear his teaching. They wanted to know who he was because there was something radically different about this man, something radically different about Jesus, and they just wanted to be with him. I think Jesus lived a questionable life in the absolutely best way, the kind of life that people observed, and they just needed to know him. They just wanted to be with him. I think one of the ways that we've connected with our local community is by living questionable lives in the way that we've served people. One of the things I'm so grateful for at Follow is to be surrounded by a group of people who are radically generous and they constantly look outside of themselves. We're not inward focus. We're always looking outside of ourselves. And I'm so grateful for that because I think the generosity attracts people. I think stinginess repels people. And so as we are generous people of God, I think it has opened up an opportunity for us. The book of Proverbs says that the gift opens up the way for the giver. And I think our generosity has opened up a door into our community that never would have existed if we were stingy. And so I want to encourage you today to keep living lives of generosity. I want to encourage you today to keep living out the mission. But I also want to caution you today because there's one thing about living out the mission. That's this, that sometimes we get tired. And when we get tired, our, our temptation is to give up. And, and I don't think there's anyone in this room who hasn't felt that at one or another time in the last three years or in your life. There's times when we feel like giving up. And it's so easy when we feel like giving up just to sort of shrink back into ourselves and start looking inwardly again and become self-centered where it's about my wants and my needs and my family and my money and my bank account. And we, we start to burn out. We start to grumble and criticize and we end up serving with no joy. Let me tell you, it's no use even serving if you do it with no joy. It's no use being down at the food van or in a school or uh, in your community somewhere serving if you're doing it like you're sucking on a lemon. 
oh, we love Jesus and we're just down here. Do what we have to do, you know. I'm sick of it. And every week we're gonna set up and pack up and all these changes. I mean, let me tell you, that repels people so quickly. We need to be people that serve out of an incredible joy that we don't give up. And I think this is where the spirit of God and the mission of God actually interconnect. Because if we're going to keep living the mission like Jesus did, we need to keep relying on the spirit like Jesus did. The spirit of the Lord is on us. Because he's anointed us to live out this mission, to follow Jesus in our community for his glory. So far, we haven't really mentioned the food van very much. But I think it's important to do so at a celebration like this because it's been an incredibly important ministry in the life of our church. I'll never forget the first discussion we ever had with Canidia Shire. We'd done some research about the needs in the community. I went to them and I wanted to listen to what they felt the needs were. And it turns out that they matched up. We both saw that there's a need, there's a a whole lot of poverty in our region, a lot of people that are lonely and isolated, and that there's a lot of homelessness right under our noses that we may never see if we don't look. And so the lady from the council started talking about Burke Park in Pakenham. And I'd heard about this notorious park. It was notorious for, you know, alcohol and drugs and violence and even some prostitution had began, begun happening there. And at the same time, it's got slides and swings and families meet there and it's connected to the station. So it's a, a huge thoroughfare and a key hub of activity in our community. And I remember the the question she asked me. She said, do you think that Follow could run a food van two nights a week at Burke Park? Now, I felt like it was one of those God moments. It was like a huge test. Because I've always said to you that we are a Bob the Builder church, right? Can we do it? Yes, we can. Because we have a God that can do all things. So we want to be a church of faith that step out and go, yes, we can do immeasurably more than what we could think or dream or imagine because we have a God who can do all things. And so I'm sitting there talking to her about this and I'm thinking about that conversation in my head and I'm, I'm hearing her request and in my head all I'm thinking is the words, no, we can't. We don't have the people. We don't have the finance. We don't have the experience. We've never run a food van before. And in my head, I was thinking, no, we can't. But a couple of minutes later, out of my mouth came the words, yes, we can. And I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit intervening and changing my thoughts in that moment because it was a huge step of faith for us as a church. But I think the ministry of the food van has impacted our community and grown our church as much as anything else that we've done since the day we started. I still remember... When we first started the food van, every week we had to take three trailers down there. We had to unload three trailers. We had to take a, a light tower. And we took it down every single week. And in the first winter we did the food van, it rained hardly at all. But every, sec- every Tuesday and Thursday night, it rained. <laughs> what did we learn? If you want to break a drought, start a food van. <laughs> Works every time. And the first few months, I'll never forget them. It was just like a lake down there. It was just mud everywhere. And we had to take these big sheets of ply and we'd get them out of the trail and we'd put them down. They sort of squelch in the mud. And then, and then you'd get these big rolls of rubber about that thick and they weighed a ton and you'd, you'd kind of put them over the ply and you'd set up this area so that you could actually put some tents over the top of it. And I, I remember at the end of the night, that ply got soaked up all the water and they weighed even heavier when, when you went to leave and you tried to get them out of the mud and be like a big suction cap. It was like and you'd have to lift them up, and then you'd pick up those rolls of rubber, and they felt like when you put them on your shoulder, it was like carrying a dead body. I've never carried one. Just put your mind at ease. But if I did, I imagine that's what it would feel like. You know, it doesn't cooperate. It just kind of hangs there, and and it's like an OHS nightmare. 
I'm surprised no one did their back. And that park was so wet that wintertime. Like I said before, it was like a lake. There were literally ducks floating past on the grass. It was just incredible. And you know what? I was thinking about that. It was cold. It was miserable. It was a wet slog. And at that stage, it was only follow volunteers. And yet week after week, rain, hail or shine, actually there was no shine, just rain or hail, our volunteers were down there every week just serving people in our community. And I reckon that would have stopped after about three months. I reckon we had about three months of juice in the tank. And I reckon we said, this is just too hard. But we didn't. Because the Spirit of God anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. Today we've got people in this room who've come to know Jesus, others that have been baptised. Their lives have turned around in incredible ways because we met many of them at the park, taking seriously the call to care for the poor. I've seen many people that follow in the last three years make so many sacrifices to live out the mission of Jesus. Just recently there was a single mum in our church community who didn't have a car, couldn't get her kids around. And I just put a, a little note on our discipleship page and said, hey, we need about this much money to, to purchase a car. And by the end of the day, we had four times the amount we needed. Not only did we per- purchase it, but we could register it, we could roadworthy it, and we could give it to her free of charge. Incredible generosity from a group of people who say, yes, we can do it. And just recently, a family of seven living in tents in a backyard, we've helped them to find a rental property to live in. They got out of the tents And a couple in our church actually took them into their own home for a period of time. They have seven other people living under your roof. I think it got up to about nine at one stage. Living in their house. Their small group got enough money together to pay the first few months of their rent. One of the couples actually went guarantor for the rental property because they felt the Spirit of God prompted them to do so. That's incredible sacrifice. That's over and above generosity. Over the last few years, we've given out literally dozens of care packs for people in our community who are struggling. We've mentored kids at the secondary college. We've done a breakfast club every week for kids that don't get breakfast at home. We've got community play groups. These weekend services, there's been so many volunteers that have made it happen to create a space for us to worship God and grow in our faith. The music team did a wonderful job today. They do every week. Our, our welcome team, our hospitality team, our admin team, our set-up, pack-up team that every week before you guys get out of bed, they're here setting up. And when you're going home, they're here packing up. Every single week, it's extraordinary sacrifice. We've got a community play group. It's bursting at the seams with people from our local community who are coming and connecting and hearing about God. And then you see a testimony of someone like the Row Cross. Mid-60s, pack up everything. Leave their family, their friends, their comforts. At an age when other people are retiring and cruising around the world and getting caravans, they said, no, no, we feel the Holy Spirit is prompting us to leave the comforts of Australia and go to West Africa and Niger where we can serve the the sick and dying in a hospital. That's incredible sacrifice. We heard the testimony of someone like Muhammad, left for dead, saved now by the grace of God because people like the Rowcrofts said, you know what, it's not about my comfort. It's not about being safe. It's about being obedient. And they stepped out in an incredible way. So many people have given their time, their energy, their money, their passion, their lives to serve like Jesus did. Why? Because the Spirit of God anoints us to live out the mission. And so I want to say a huge thank you today to all of you who are here, all that that you've contributed in the last couple of years, everything you've given, to every person who has given sacrificially to bind up the brokenhearted, to care for the poor, to befriend the lonely, 
to proclaim freedom in people's lives and to set the oppressed free. And I want to say this morning, we need to keep relying on the Holy Spirit. We need to keep living out the mission. And finally this morning, we need to keep sharing the good news. Have you ever noticed that the world is full of bad news? This week I went to meet with Peter Brown, one of our elders, and we go to this classy little place called McCafe. You've probably been there before. And I got there and Peter had been flicking through the newspaper and he picked it up and he said, if you took all the bad news out of this, what would be left? I instantly said the sport. And he reminded me I barracked for St Kilda and I said, you're right. If you took out all the bad news, there would be no newspaper at all. Just be completely nothing on the table. The world's full of bad news. It's a pretty bleak and depressing place at times. But when people meet us, the people of God, Christians, they should see something different in us. After encountering us, they should be left with the thought, wow, maybe there is hope. Maybe there is joy. Maybe there is love. Maybe there is life beyond what I imagined. The Bible says we are the light of the world. That we're to bring hope in the hopelessness because we have the best news that could be ever shared with the world. The best news people could ever hear. That we have a way out of this brokenness. We have a way out of this broken world into new life through the person of Jesus who died for our sin and rose again, conquering death and giving us eternal hope. Let me tell you, in the midst of darkness, that's a wonderful hope to have. And I think this is where these three points today all intersect. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to live the mission. But we need to live the mission for people to be interested in the message. Let me say that again. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to live out the mission but we need to live out the mission for people to be interested in the message. In a post-Christian world where people are cynical and doubtful about the church, they have zero interest in hearing the message from a group of people who aren't living the message. In Luke chapter 4, we read about Jesus' mission statement, and the context of those words is that Jesus was reading those words in a synagogue, a place where people gathered to hear God's word, and the attendant handed him the scroll, and he read those words out directly from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. And then when he finished reading those words, he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And it says the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And let me tell you why the eyes of people were fastened on him that day. He was reading directly from the Old Testament and everyone in the synagogue that day knew the Old Testament like the back of their hands. And they all knew that as Jesus read out from that scroll, he actually stopped mid-sentence. He stopped mid-sentence. Because in the original reading from Isaiah, it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and then it says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus doesn't read that bit out. Instead, he finishes mid-sentence by declaring the time of the Lord's favour. He looked directly at them and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Why did Jesus stop mid-sentence? Well, his mission wasn't to bring the vengeance of God. His mission was to bring the good news to humanity. Many churches today are known more for what they stand against than they are for what they stand for. Many churches are known more for their preaching on hell than they are for their preaching on love. I've never quite understood that because hell might be a reality, but there's nothing more powerful, nothing more compelling, nothing more life-changing than the love of Christ. In Ephesians 3, Paul says, May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, How wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. Christ came to demonstrate that love 
in the most powerful and life-changing way. And so why did the original passage in Isaiah talk about the vengeance of God? Well, God is a holy and righteous God, and he's angry at injustice and sin, just like we are when people do the wrong things in our society. Like when a person's walking down the street in Frankston, and an unsuspecting person with his hands in his pocket gets smashed in the face, and he hits his head on the concrete. You know, there's, a, there's an outrage. There's a national manhunt to find this guy, and so there should be, because we are angry at, when people do the things like that. Sin and injustice. Let me tell you, God is a lot holier than we are. And because he's a just God, all the things that are wrong, that are done in this world, including our own sins, they can't go unpunished. God the Father is angry about sin and injustice in our world because that's not what he created it to look like. And he knows the pain that it has caused. And so his anger is directed towards sin and all those who participate in it. But Jesus, the Son of God, this is the good news of the gospel... He came to absorb the vengeance of God. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so the anger of God directed towards us, when Jesus came and died in our place, the vengeance of God was redirected from us to his own son. Jesus on the cross absorbed the vengeance of God that we rightly deserve to pay the penalty for. It was our sin that Jesus carried. And the wonderful thing about the gospel is this, that the moment we put our faith in Jesus, we don't have to carry that stuff anymore. All of our sin, all of our pain, all of our shame, all of our brokenness, it can be so crippling. The moment we give our lives to Jesus, he comes off our shoulder and it's placed on Christ at the cross and we can once again stand tall as the forgiven, saved people of God. A son and daughter of the living God. That is wonderfully good news. That's the gospel. That Jesus was willing to take the vengeance of his father upon himself so that you and I would never have to. I love the interviews with Chris and Ash and Haley today. They were terrified, but they did a great job. I love stories like their stories because people can argue about theology. But it's very hard to argue with the changed life that's sitting right in front of you. Today we've seen real life change. In the midst of bad news in our world, these are some of the stories of incredibly good news. I've told this story before, but I remember prior to launching Follow three years ago, I remember a defining moment in my life. I was standing in the shower. That's not the defining moment. I do that a couple of times every day. But I was standing in the shower, and I remember there was a moment where, where God actually said, no, no, I want you to go. I want you and Kim to step out and to plant a new church in the officer region. And I remember that moment like it was yesterday. God gave me a vision of people who in that very moment, while I was standing in the shower, were far from God and were heading to an eternity separated from him. Ash and Chris were two of those people. But God showed me a vision in my mind that he was going to use this new church to reach into our local community and people would be blessed through our ministry. But more importantly than that, some of them would come to know Jesus for the very first time. And as God impressed it on my heart, I started to weep. Now, I'm not an overly emotional person. I run at about 50% chick flicks and rom-coms. I cry 50%. I don't cry 50%. So I'm not overly emotional. Is that overly emotional? I don't know. I don't think I am. But that day, I was standing in the shower weeping for a group of people that I'd never even met. The only way I could see them was through the eye of faith. And we fast forward three years. Here we are today. The wonderful thing is this. Some of those people I don't need to see with the eye of faith anymore because they're standing right in front of me. And there's more people in the future that we need to keep seeing with the eye of faith that need to come to know Jesus. As I watched Chris 
and Matt give their testimony at our recent baptism service, I realised that if all of this was just for that, it would be worth it. And I also realised this other thing. Three years ago, Chris was in the shower with me. Not physically, just to clarify. But he was in my mind. He was in that vision that God gave me. And the question is this. How many more people in our region is God pursuing right now? How many more people is God going to reach through you or through me or through us? In the next 12 months, who will be the stories of, of lives changed and saved? In the next two years, in the next 10 years, in the next 100 years when we're long and truly gone, well and truly gone, who are the people that God is going to use us to build a legacy for, for all eternity? I think that's an inspiring thought. Reminds me of an eternal legacy that can be left in this region and beyond. And I hope to you it's a reminder that this is all, all worth it. It's all worth it to see these precious people come to know Jesus. We want these stories to continue to multiply. Where more and more people experience life and hope that only Jesus can provide. And so we need to keep sharing the good news. When I say that today is a day to be grateful, they're not just words. I'm completely blown away by the grace of God. I'm so grateful, I'm humbled every day to lead a church like this. I never want us to take for granted what God is doing, but I honestly believe the best is still yet to come. And if we're going to have an increasing impact in this region and beyond, we need to keep relying on the Holy Spirit, we need to keep living out the mission, and we need to keep sharing the good news.